At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, coming to you from the Freedom Doc Studios. I am your host, Christopher Habig, the CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We talk to innovative clinicians, policymakers, patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. We take you behind the scenes with people across America that are putting patients first and restoring trust in American healthcare. Now, out of the hundreds of times that I've done that introduction, I always like that last line that we talk to people that are putting patients first. Trust is so important in any type of healthcare relationship, but if our focus isn't on the patient, what are we doing as a society? What are we doing as an industry? Today's episode features Jenny Nolan, a board-certified patient advocate with clear healthcare advocacy. Jenny, welcome to Healthcare Americana. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right, Jenny, I want in your own words, we're going we're gonna to jump right out of the gates here. What does that mean to you when I say we need to put patients first? Well, um, I think putting patients first is uh, exactly what I do as a patient advocate. There are many ways to put patients first, but um, in advocacy, we're just uh, an intermediary for patients, whether that be between doctors and healthcare facilities, providers coordinating care, or um, what I do as a patient advocate is coordinate with medical billing companies, patients' health insurance to help them figure out and resolve issues with their medical bills and health insurance claims. Obviously, advocacy takes a lot of different definitions, a lot of different directions there. Clear healthcare advocacy focuses, like you said, on the medical bills, which that's the number one driver of bankruptcies uh, in America. I mean, you, you add on different layers of stress to people, the confusion, just the abandonment, the loneliness. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that affect the patient experience once they interact with the healthcare system. I'm curious, what has your experience been when you talk to somebody and you know they're looking at a tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollar bill and you say, hey, it's okay, there's a way to reduce this or there's a way to actually get a fair market price when it comes to hospital bills? Um, I think as a patient advocate, we just give them hope. I think they feel overwhelmed. They immediately go, go to, how am I going to deal with this? They're already trying to, a lot of them are dealing with a diagnosis. I have several cancer patients, and they just need somebody to hold their hand and walk alongside them and try to negotiate. Sometimes they just need people to point them in the direction of the financial assistance policy. It's a very broad subject, right? So, you know, I, I like to kind of do, you know, not necessarily role playing, but put yourselves in the shoes of somebody who, like you said, you know, has a cancer diagnosis and they're like, I need this life-saving treatment. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to ask for the price of what this is. Nobody can actually tell me it. I just wait back, collect all these bills. I can't make heads or tails of 
explanations of benefits or hospital bills. How do I even know if this is accurate coding? How do I know if this bill is actually accurate? What do I do? That's what we do for them, right? Because it's it's too much. I'm dealing with a patient right now who is fighting for his proton therapy to be covered by Cigna. He's scheduled to start it next week and they don't want to pay for it. They want to pay for something cheaper. So we're in the middle of doing an appeal and like he wouldn't be able to do it on his own. And he literally calls me crying because he just wants to give up basically. So I just like being able to offer that up to them and give them hope where they don't have it. How do patients find you? Well, I get lots of referrals from fellow advocates. We have a really great network of people because we all kind of have our niche. There are several advocates who just do like the clinical side, coordination of care. And so we refer to each other a lot. I'm listed on several advocacy websites. And then a lot of people just find me through Google on my website. I'm curious what they're searching for. Do you have any idea on what those keywords are? (laughs) I think they search for like medical bills or patient billing. I should pay more attention to that. I know I've got it in my Google Analytics. I don't know what they're searching for, but I'm here for it because they're finding me. And a lot of them, I think, because I'm here in Indiana, are probably searching for someone in Indiana because I get a lot of local people, but I can help people nationwide. I've got a client in Alaska. So, and that person actually found me through Facebook. So, very interesting. All over the place. I, no, I love it. And, you know, we talk to doctors starting their practices all the time. And it's just like, you have to cast the net out there, right? Like you got to build it, you have to participate in it. And if you're not, then you might be missing out on kind of keeping with the fishing reference. But some of those fish swimming by, if you don't have the net out there, then they're going to go. Social media, search engines, building up your personal network, which is sometimes an awkward thing for somebody if they're not used to it. So I'm glad to hear that you're you're having success um, when it comes to but really lead generation, people coming in and finding you. And you're able to provide a great service to people that says, hey, we're going we're gonna to figure this out. You mentioned something, which it's not necessarily off topic, but it's kind of in there. And I'm sure people who listen to this show are probably like, oh, here, here Chris goes again. You mentioned you know, that you're working with somebody whose insurance is balking at covering something. And I like to have this talk with people when, you know, because I'm on a health share, right? I really like health share. It's the right thing for my family and myself. And I trust the people that are doing it. And they give me no reason not to from the administrative standpoint. But I talk about health shares and ultimately someone's like, well, the health share, you know, they're not promising to pay for anything. They can refuse services. But what you just said exposes the fallacy of that argument that insurance is not something where they're just going to stroke a check no matter what you want to do you're getting pushback from insurance companies on potential treatments for your clients. Yes. Where do we get this mindset? I guess the only difference I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you do the health share, I know that. I feel like at least like with some of these ACA, like if you get a plan through the marketplace, you at least have kind of like an appeals process, like there are rules. And I don't know how that translates into the cost share world. So I think people feel like they have some protections, but at the end of the day, you know, who knows? Who knows? And so this particular patient had to set up a GoFundMe and collected $70,000 to pay for this treatment that he, if I do my job, hopefully he'll get most of that back. But who knows? I think that's a story that that a lot of people just don't understand that they think, well, I, I have insurance. So if anything happens, like I'm covered, they're going to pay for it. And the answer is not so fast. 
right. insurance companies can go up here and deny payment, deny coverage, deny treatment. And they're second guessing your medical professionals that you're establishing trust with. That's 100% what's happening right now with this one for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's just a thought that just popped in there when I heard you talking and, and, you know, not the basis of this particular episode by any means, but it, it kind of goes all in one is my, is my point here. What, you know, when somebody is looking at these high cost procedures and they handed this bill and they're like, what do I do with this? Is this even accurate? And then they go back to the people who are supposed to have their back to avoid bankruptcy. And that insurance company says, mm, sorry, nope, not going to cover this one. Good luck in your bankruptcy, but keep paying us your tens of thousands of dollars per year in premiums. I'm like, what in the world? Why are people putting up with this? I don't know. I think it just hasn't happened to enough people. I always tell people that like I'm in healthcare, you are. So we like thrive off of all this stuff. But um, like friends, I'm like, if you're not pissed off by the system, you absolutely should be. Maybe something bad hasn't happened to you yet, but it's a hot mess and it needs to be fixed. And insurance is a huge part of the problem. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the, the complexity of it, right? Yep. I'm curious, if you rewound, you hopped in a time machine and went back like the 1980s, do you think you would walk up to somebody and say, hey, I'm a healthcare advocate. I help people navigate their medical bills. And they'd look at you being like, well, why? Why do I, what, why does that even exist? 100%. Is this something? Is this something that's like recent that? Yes. It's like, you know, doctors have vacated that, right? If a doctor can't tell you a price, you got to go find it somewhere. Then you get these surprise bills, everything like that. So I, I'm curious, like, how recent did you, do you think that your industry really popped up? So I feel like it's popped up with the high deductible health plan. I mean, I remember the 80s going in and I paid a $10 copay every time I went to the doctor. That, that was it. I didn't care about anything else. I just paid a $10 copay. So I didn't care how much it cost. Even when I had my first baby, I paid a $10 copay times 10 visits. I paid $100 to have my first baby. But now we've moved to high deductible health plans and people are absolutely overwhelmed and nobody understands. They don't understand because they're used to the old copay way and they didn't have to care. Are you running into people who have high deductible health plans, but don't have enough money in the bank to actually meet that deductible? 100%. I mean, if you Google it, the stats are out there. I want to say, is it like a third of families in the U.S. can't afford their deductible? Yeah, it's <laughs> so ridiculous. Are you, are you sitting there saying like, guys, if you don't have $6,000 in the bank, don't get a high deductible health plan? Right. But I don't know how many of them have the option. I mean, if you think about it and your employer's purchasing it for you, they're probably going to try to save money on their end by going with a higher deductible. So a lot of times patients don't have a choice. I'm just trying to, you know, make heads or tails of that. It just, there's such a disconnect in what people are paying for. And, and we get it from the Freedom Health Work side that someone will call up and be like, well, I already pay for insurance. So why should I pay 80 bucks a month more for to actually go see a doctor? I'm like, well, think about what you just said. You know, are you calling up your insurance company and saying, why am I paying $2,000 a month for something I don't use? But yet they're very, a lot of, some people, I, some people these days are very willing to throw that in there and say, well, I see a doctor once a year. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You know, you're, you're Superman. So if that's going to work best for you and why you're dumping tens of thousands of dollars down the drain for insurance policy that nobody understands and nobody can afford, Fine by me. That's that's the way that you're going to go out there and live. So going back to the advocacy standpoint, 
I want to talk about you know, the education of the people you're working with. And once they're working with you and going through this process and understanding, wow, I, I neither need to be asking more questions or what do I do for future hospital bills? What do you tell them? I tell everybody just generically to know your plan, know your benefits. I'm amazed by the number of people who don't even know what an explanation of benefits is. So when someone calls me and says, I got this bill, my first question is, does it match your EOB? And they're like, what's the EOB? Oh, that's the thing I throw in the trash. And then I just cringe. But that's the biggest thing is just looking at your EOB and knowing your plan. I think there's estimates out there that like 30 to 80% of medical bills are incorrect in some way. And 80 is on the high end, and you would have to like really dig in there to find those kind of things. But I can guarantee you that a third of the ones that come into my home, I have a husband and four kids, a third of the medical bills that come into our house are incorrect. And if I'm not immediately pulling up my EOB, I don't even know if it's been to insurance yet. And I'm not an exception. So if it's happening to me, it's happening to other people, and they're just not even noticing it. Do you feel like these are honest mistakes? Yes, I do. I don't find malicious like people unbundling and coding for stuff that they didn't do. Usually it's just, I mean, there's so many places where the mistake can be made, right? From the moment you walk in the door of your doctor's office, you hand them your new insurance card. And if that girl at the front desk who's making $10 an hour doesn't really care that day, she may or may not get it entered in, and then boom, you've got a problem because they're going to bill your old insurance. There are so many spots where it can go wrong. And the reason why I ask that, you know, a lot of the times this feels almost fraudulent where you look at these mistakes and then you pick up the phone and they're like, oh, you got to go talk to this other third party over here. And it's such a mess trying to talk to somebody who understands what's going on. I've heard some people throw out, you know, fraud, um, accusations against a lot of these hospitals. What's your opinion on that? Oh, I'm sure it's happening. I mean, we see about it in the news. Like I said, I haven't had to deal with that at this point in my experience, but I know it's going on. And then even take that a step further. It, it, it's hard to describe you see, the frustration that exists, you know, because I've been on, on, on that side from a patient standpoint and having kids and everything like that. You look at this and you're like, wow, I, these codes and these abbreviations, I understand why people throw their EOB away because it is just so bloody complicated. They're like, I, I don't even know if this was performed on me. How do I even know that? And they can't talk to anybody. I'm like, it's, it's like this <laughs> spiral down. And, you know, if this was, you know, this is like really nerdy joke, right? If this was Microsoft Excel, it'd be giving all kinds of errors because you have circle logic coming <laughs> in here that you're trying to reference other cells and the cells are just not there going through it. I, I'm curious. So when you work with somebody and you find a good resolution for them, how does that person's attitude change? They're just so thankful. And that's why I do what I do. You know, sometimes it's, I don't feel like I really did anything. I helped like a teeny bit, but they're so grateful. And just, especially with my cancer patients or anybody who's got like long-term stuff going on, if you can just take that burden away from them, they're just, they're able to focus on their care and not have to worry about it. So I love it. We're talking with Jenny Nolan, board-certified patient advocate at Clear Healthcare Advocacy. I want to stay on that thread of cancer patients who... I mean, that, that takes a while, and hopefully they have a positive outcome at the end of it. Do you ever ask a question or, or get going, you know, 
I guess, looking for more of your opinion than anything. How do you prevent these type of billing procedures? Is there anything we can do from a consumer standpoint to arm ourselves with the knowledge that I'm sick or I need treatment? Here's the top three things that I need to know in the back of my mind when I first engage with any type of a hospital system? I would say make sure you're in network, your physician, the hospital, because your doctor could be in network, but the hospital could be out of network. So some of it you don't have control over, like you, when you're under the knife and you're looking at anesthesia and stuff like that. But if you can make sure that your providers are in network and then prior authorization is huge. And a lot of physician offices will take care of that for you, but just to stay on it and know if a PET scan needs authorization or whatever, um, knowing those requirements. And then just staying on top of things as they come in the door and not let them build up. If you do owe a balance, it's not going to just go away on its own. I think sometimes people think if they ignore it, it'll just magically disappear and it doesn't. And then... Um, a lot of times when I finally get them, they're getting ready to go to collections and they're completely overwhelmed. So it's almost too late at that point in time. Yeah. Oof. Yep. And not to mention the stress builds up everything we talked about, you know, beforehand here. Do you feel going back to, you know, the original theme of our discussion here, putting patients first, do you feel like the health insurance world and then the hospitals have completely lost sight of that simple sentence? Yeah, for sure. I think even you know, if you consider that the hospital also has like a patient, what they call a patient advocate, and your insurance company has what they call a patient advocate. But at the end of the day, they're thinking about their bottom line, right? The hospital is advocating, the hospital patient advocate is advocating for the hospital, the insurance advocate is advocating for the insurance company. So yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's just so much about the bottom line, and not the patient. Jenny, I want to end out on a positive note. Give us an example, and, and don't mention any names or anything too specific, but give us an example where you were able to get a victory for a patient and they came out and they're like, oh my gosh, hallelujah, you saved me. So give us give us a positive story here about somebody using your services and how you were able to help them. Okay, sure. I think one of my very first cases was one of my biggest ones, someone who had been undergoing some very expensive monthly injections. And by the time he was had just finished his third injection, because they were monthly, that's when he started seeing the EOBs and the bills from the first injection and realized that they weren't being covered at like $20,000 a pop. So when he reached out to me, he owed over 60 grand and we were able to put together an appeal that was persuasive and get those taken care of. So yeah, that at the end of the day, he just owed his deductible, which is still a lot, but way less than $60,000. So that was a victory. There is hope out there for anybody facing mystery bills or large bills. Give Jenny a call. Jenny Nolan, board certified patient advocate with Clear Healthcare Advocacy. Jenny, thanks so much for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com to catch previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list, and visit our online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all of our episodes. Visit the shop and learn more about the podcast.
Healthcare Americana is produced and managed by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.